Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. As I said before, we're going to try to do six messages on the topic of humbug killing. Just to get that sourpuss attitude out of here and keep it out of here for good, if there is any. I don't foresee or see any, but um, glad we're able to be a joyful church. Um, by, by the way, my Israel flight tickets are bought. Um, I'll be going through Zurich, Switzerland on the way there, and I just picked that particular ticket, so I just wanted to be in Switzerland so I could pray for that country. I've been in 14 different countries, and I wanted to add another one to the list, so I kind of took that on the, on the way. So, uh, And you may be wondering why the uh, wreath is down. Um, I want to put a cross up there. Uh, so I have a, I've, uh, I'm kinda, it's kind of my signature and uh, kind of my fingerprint, so I just want to put that up there. I'm going to build it myself. Um, we, we checked into the cost of crosses, and they're, a thousand bucks upward just to have a backlit cross and I've built several myself through the years so I had to take it down to get some measurements and I just didn't bother to put it back up and uh, so I'm going to be working on that and try to get that up by the Christmas uh, message uh, on Christmas Day and be, and be mindful that there will be no Sunday school on that day nor an evening service there will be just that morning message all right so the kids can enjoy their morning when they get up, and uh, you can come here in pajamas if you want to. It's all right. I'm okay with that. And then when you get here for the morning service, and then afterwards you can go back and enjoy those, those presents and, and, uh, and your family. So Matthew 2. Now there were... Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now we talked about providence today. You see how providence works? I didn't call Isaac and say, please will you sing that song today? And he just happened to sing it. Right? That's how God works these things. You've got to understand that. If you didn't see the, if we weren't here for the morning message, uh, we just talked about how wonderful our Savior is saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. That's incredible that we forget about, incredible truth that we all forget about. All Jerusalem was troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not, least among, uh, art not least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him word again that I may come and worship him also. I'm going to share messages in these weeks of, uh, to come about uh, Christmas anomalies and, uh, and about things that, uh, that we believe aren't true, uh, but literally sometimes they are true and things that are, uh, are true and, and are teached as untrue. I, I just want to try to talk about some of the things. One of those things is a star. 
right, that we'd understand in those anomalies that the star was not lit the entire time, and I'll, under, I'll kind of share that with you then. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw uh, in the east and went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother fell down, worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and mirth. And being warned of God in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Uh, so a lot of this message is about Herod. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and, there, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, in one of the saddest uh, commentaries in the whole Bible is right here, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, all in all the coasts thereof, for two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. Oh, Father, my heart breaks every time I read that passage. There are some things, Lord, I wish were never in the Bible. I just wish they weren't true. I think of David and his sin with Bathsheba, and killing her husband, Lord, I just wish some of these things just weren't in there. But they are, and to remind us, Lord, that there's, there's a, a great evil out there trying to destroy us. And Lord, I pray that after this message, we would not fall into that trap of believing that we are beaten, that we are victorious. And we'd walk out of here joyful in Christ Jesus' name, and we thank you for his sake. Amen. Um, Gaining victory over the negative, right? And over the selfish and the doubting, fearful, paranoid, the give me type critical attitude is often very hard to do, especially during Christmas. For some, Christmas is humbug. That's all it is, just another, yet another year to be discouraged. There, there's one very sad part of the Christmas story, and so many innocent babies had to be slaughtered because of a selfish, narcissistic, paranoid king. Now think about this uh, for a moment. While the known world at that time for two years were celebrating over the birth of Jesus, not everyone would be celebrating. I think about that often about our Christmas season. And, and while we're, some of us are going to be celebrating, and there's a lot of families that are going to be very grieved through this season. There were families who could not enjoy the event because their precious little children were brutally murdered by a wicked king. And they were mourning over their dead babies while Mary was enjoying the birth of hers. We must always remember that while some of us will be celebrating this season, others will be grieving through it. And we don't want to forget that and those that are out there that are struggling right now. So God tells us in his word, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but, us, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. 
right? And a lot of times there's a lot of broken spirits through holidays. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing my first Christmas without my dad. Um, we always went down there during the year, and I'm, and I'm thinking about that. And it didn't bother me until last night when I was finishing up this message. Um, but Christmas can be one of the merriest times of the year, but the truth is often over, uh, this truth is often overlooked, that life is not so me merry for many people during the Christmas season. And it can be heartbreaking time of the year. For some, their spirit is broken because of the loss of a loved one, or maybe it's broken because of the loneliness of being uh, uh, alone uh, from the result of a betrayal or an abandonment or sickness, I don't know, or the heavy load of debt. You know, things go through Christmas. People put themselves in a lot of debt during this, this, the, these three weeks, and, and then they'll be spent paying it off for the next year until the next Christmas. So we're here to tell all those people that we believe Lighthouse can help put the light back into their darkness. Amen? That's why we're here, is to help them see that and bring the Mary back into Christmas. So the Bible says, When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto me, in Micah 7, 8. So as born-again Christians, just think about this for a moment, right? We are to be light bearers uh, during the season right now, this Christmas season, and load lifters, right? We want to help people lift their loads, uh, lift their loads for them. So as born-again Christians, we, we need to think that way as we go into these next three weeks. May we, be, may we be sure to remember those with broken hearts with our love and pray that they will find peace in the Prince of Peace, who has overcome the sadness and sufferings of this world. And I'm so glad I know my wonderful Savior. Aren't you glad that you know him? You know, he is so wonderful to me. I, that's why I did the whole morning um, uh, Sunday school lesson about, listen, we surely shouldn't be humbugs, right, during this season, especially for them who need us, uh, to give the, to, for us to give them hope and, and assurances of God that he loves them, right? Uh, when you go under, when you're under the strain and under the burden, very often we think God doesn't love us, but that's really the time he loves us more than ever um, because we think about he sent his only begotten son to a manger. Now think about that, so they could live in a mansion. A manger, so they could live in a mansion. So Christians should never be the Scrooges, not during this season or any season. Because misery sometimes does love company and attention, but nobody wants to be around someone who can't find joy. Right? If they can't find joy in you, they just don't want to be around you. If all you're doing is complaining and criticizing and, and looking at woe is me when somebody else is maybe getting blessed. The truth is if people always have to, have to walk on pins and needles when they're around you, it won't be long before they won't walk with you or won't want to be around you. So having the right attitude will ch change the way they feel about Christ. But, it'll take, but it's going to take some real effort, and it's going to take a good dose of humility right, to do that. In other words, I have to set myself aside and think about what they're going through. Enjoy my family, but understand that there are families out there who really need us, uh, and do some sacrificial work of God, uh, works of God in getting into their lives to help them, uh, to help bring light into their darkness. Now, using Matthew uh, 2, I want to give you six changes that have been made in our lives to overcome this attitude. And I, and I, and I, just, I just felt the need to have to preach this this morning. Like, I'm not really expounding upon these passages because you know what they are. You're familiar with all of them, and I, and we, and I could and I will on in some of these messages I give in the days ahead. But I just want to give you six changes that have to be made in our lives 
if we're going to overcome this bad attitude and then have a good attitude during Christmas so that we can rejoice personally but help others rejoice in the season also in this wonderful Savior that we serve. Number one is this, be grateful for the ordinary. Be grateful for the ordinary. God used a stable, I want you to think about that, and a manger to bring Christ into the world. A lowly handmaid he used, and, and a house, and those despicable shepherds, right, to announce it, right? That's what he used to do this supernatural event. He uses ordinary people, now listen to me very closely, to do extraordinary things. Right? He, he's, he can use everyone in this sanctuary today and anybody within my voice who are just ordinary people trying to live their lives out to do extraordinary things if they will submit themselves to him to be used in that way. King Herod had it all. I hope you all understand it. And he, wasn't, uh, and he didn't want for anything, and yet he wasn't content, was he? He wasn't even grateful. He was threatened by Jesus. He thought he was going to lose everything he had once Jesus came into his path. He thought he was the new king. He feared Jesus would take away his throne and all that he had. Many feel that way today about Jesus. They really do. Uh, nothing is ever good enough for them. They're ungrateful. They think God is taking them away or God has allowed them to have a sickness. Grateful people are always content with the ordinary. They really are. I've learned comparison is the enemy of contentment. If you stop comparing yourself with other people and what they have and don't have, you'll, you'll be content with what you do have. You know, grateful people never compare what they have with what others have. They just don't do that. In fact, I, I am thrilled when I see somebody else become more blessed than I am. Or if I see something come into their lives that financially gives them a bunch of... Uh, uh, money and, and maybe that I, that I couldn't get. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just content where I'm at. I'm thankful for the ordinary. But I love to see people get blessed. They're grateful for the ordinary and contented with what little they have. That's what we need to remember. They don't compare themselves with what others have and don't have. They, they look at the bright side of everything and see the good in everything and want the best for everybody. Uh, that's the way we live as Christians. Negative people are always expecting more. They're always wanting answers. They're always looking for something better to be satisfied. Uh, I don't need a lot of answers. I have the answer right, right here in this book. I, I don't need a lot. I just, I just need this book and a wife to love me and grandkids to love on and children to, to try to encourage and, and a church body that is absolutely uh, amazing here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. There are people out there in this world who would take your life in a split second, even with all of its problems. All you have to do is travel some third world countries and you'll understand it completely what I'm thinking about. Right? Remember there's always someone, somewhere, who would give their right arm just to have the life that you have. With all of your struggles and all the things that you're going through. What I'm trying to say here is be very grateful for the normal, everyday life you have. That's all. Amen. Be grateful for it. Be grateful for the basic, everyday routines that you have to go through every day. I think about my cup of coffee every morning. I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for that, that I have at 5.30 in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, and I get into the Word of God, and I can pray, meditate, love on Jesus as He loves on me, so be thoughtful of others and who don't have what you have and can't enjoy what you enjoy. 
Just look around you, and it doesn't take long for any of us to see that we have been blessed. Uh, we certainly have. There, there are so many people who would give up everything they have just to, just to walk in your shoes uh, with all of your struggles. Instead of making a big deal out of what you don't have, make a big deal about what you do have, right? Amen? Just make a big deal out about it. Sometimes we get so caught up with the diagnosis of our condition or the prognosis of, the, of our cure, and we forget about the great physician who knows us, cares for us, and what? And holds us with his healing hands. That's our Savior, and he's a wonderful Savior, and we should never forget that. So be grateful for the ordinary, and you'll enjoy this season. Secondly, be thankful for the momentary. Be thankful for the momentary. I guess King Herod thought he was going to be the king forever. I mean, think about it. If Jesus was going to be king, I mean, and actually a ruling king, if that's what he came to do right at that time, right? It, he wouldn't have been that till probably 30, 40 years old. What did King... King Herod was a, uh, you know, a middle-aged man at the time. He was not going to live to see it anyways. He, he, like so many of us, fall for this lie of the flesh that we're just going to live forever. We always think we have so much time ahead of us, right? To, so, we, so we do whatever we can do right now so that we can get whatever we feel is due us right now. But some people don't have that opportunity to live that long in life. Right? I, I'm... I am burdened for people like that, that just in a moment's notice they get a diagnosis of cancer or they die of a heart attack or something like that. I mean, it's awful. And I think about those things. The truth is all things, good or bad, must eventually come to an end. Right? Here on earth, and some endings come faster than others. So what I'm trying to say is this morning in this Christmas season, we should cherish every blessing as momentary gifts from God. That's all. And, and, and be very thankful for every moment. Because sometimes we get so caught up in tomorrow, we miss what we have right here in front of us today. You know, every day is, is special. It should be special to us. Cherish every moment you have. You know, sometimes we get so consumed with our momentary woes, we miss the riches we have right within our own walls in our family. You know, you may be going through some struggles right in the family, your own family, but listen, you got a lot of riches right there. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with our momentary anxieties over what could happen, we're missing and enjoying what is happening right now. I mean, there's good things that happen to God's children, and I'm grateful for every moment that we have and every good blessing that we have. Um, he doesn't have to keep giving them to us, but isn't he a great God? Amen. Jesus keeps just pouring out these blessings. Uh, so the re I guess the remedy is keep a mental memory file of all the blessings you have already. And then just go over them again and again because some of them will be gone tomorrow. Life is nothing but a va vapor. Enjoy every vapor of breath you have. I know if you ever have uh, witnessed somebody who has died of lung cancer, it's not pretty. I uh, unfortunately have. I barely had a chance to know my biological mom. Uh, she uh, had melanoma when I was only um, contracted melanoma. Somehow I was only 12 years old. Uh, and eventually she succumbed to it uh, as it took her lungs away. Now I want to tell you something. Her last days were as torturous as I've ever seen a woman go through in my entire life. And when you think about it, I was, I was home uh, because I had burned myself tragically, so I was home at the same time she was home 
and here she is begging for breath, and I used to watch her and just cry myself to sleep because she couldn't breathe. She would literally put her head on the dining room table and allow her breast to hang down so it takes the pressure off her chest just so she could get one more breath in. Can I just say something to you? What she would have given for a few more breaths to live with her family. There's always so much more to be thankful for than there is to be troubled over. Be thankful for every breath. Boy, I didn't then wasn't sure I was going to say that, go through that, but I'm glad I did. Be grateful for the ordinary. Be thankful for the momentary. Be joyful in the contrary. Uh, what do I mean by this? Contrary to what it may feel like or look like, the best is yet to come. Amen. Please understand that. Look at, uh, turn right over with me to 2 Corinthians and give me a chance to get there myself. 2 Corinthians 4. I didn't mark this in my Bible, and I should have. 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. Isn't that an amazing statement? that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now catch this verse. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here in this life we have light affliction. Light affliction. That's what we have in this life. Light affliction. In hell they have great affliction. Great affliction. In heaven we have no affliction. No affliction. So the world, this is what the world tells us. The world tells us that uh, afflictions are bad for us. That they're bad for us. And we don't want to have any afflictions. But I want to tell you something. The Bible teaches something differently. Nobody wants afflictions. But contrary to what the world tells you, sometimes afflictions are good for us. Amen. You know, it says in Psalm 119, 67, it says, Before I was afflicted, David said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Right? So the affliction, what did it do? It drove him to God's word, to keep his word. And, and he repeats this again in another way in verse 71. He says, it is good for me, wow, that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn your or thy statutes. I learned a lot in the last three years of the affliction that we went through. I learned a lot through the last uh, the seven months of this past year of COVID of the affliction that I went through. I learned a lot of things. God helped me through them all. Listen, live each moment joyful for our time with Jesus that's coming too. And be joyful in what time we have in the present until we get there. Even though it might be a time of affliction. 
Herod was a wreck. He was a literal wreck over Jesus coming, thinking he was going to lose it. What Herod did not recognize and unfortunately missed is that his Savior came too. Isn't it amazing that he missed that? uh, The best day of Herod's life was right there in his time period, and yet he missed it and wanted to kill him. This life is only meant to be a precursor to what is coming for us in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's just a precursor. Uh, We should be singing about him now because they're going to be singing about him for all of eternity. The life, this life is only meant, right, just to show us a glimpse of what we're going to get that is coming. This is not our home. It'll never be our home. Um, wherever I lay my head, that's where my home is. My home's in that room right now. I think the, this week it's going to be in that RV out there. And then in a couple months it'll be in the house over on, uh, what's that road? Fuller Station. Fuller Station Road. That's where it's going to be. You know, that's where our home would be. And I'm praising the Lord for every one of those homes, right? Praise the Lord for your home, amen? He was a wreck over it. This life is only meant to be uh, just a little bit of a glimpse of the joy that we're going to have in heaven. Herod now, by the way, Herod now suffers in hell with great affliction. The remedy, joyful people are not the people who have or want everything now, but instead are the people who make the best out of everything they have right now for as long as they have it until Jesus comes. That's all. Just enjoy it. Take the time to be joyful even in the contrary. Right? Focus on the above. We have a place being prepared for us. Colossians 1, 1 through 3, or 3, 1 through, 1 through 4. It's just perfect for this, right? Let, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where, uh, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. So when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. All right? Joyful people don't leave others in the dark, right? What are they doing? They know that one day they're going to be living in the light of heaven, in the light of God's light, so they, they in no way leave somebody living in darkness down here because they have their own troubles. In other words, they don't just back out of, I have my own troubles to think about. Listen, we all have troubles, but there are people living in darkness without Christ that are going to die in eternity, death, and hell. And I want to just tell you something. We're the light. We're the life. We're the joy that we can give them. Right? People... They become the light that helps others find their way out. That's who we are. We're the light that helps others find their way out, even in our troubles. We're the burden bearers. We help carry the load of others. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Right? I hope I'm getting brighter every day for Jesus' sake, don't you? I want to be brighter and brighter and brighter for Jesus' sake so that other, people's can, other people can find him. Bear ye, another, ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So be grateful for the ordinary. Be thankful for the momentary. Be joyful in the contrary. For be faithful to the commentary. Be faithful to this commentary. Do you realize what you have in your hands? You have the exact, perfect will of God in the Word of God. Right here. You have it. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, Herod made a fatal mistake. You know what he did? 
I, I didn't think of this till afterwards. He made a fatal mistake. He tried or thought he could use God's word to his advantage and outsmart God. Do you realize how much of that is happening today in our churches? Big mistake. It costs him in his life. It costs a lot of churches their life. Twisting the word of God to meet my, what I want and will in life. I, go, I call it golden calf Christianity. You know, making a guy that will just answer to my whims and do what I want to do and make so that I, my sins will be justified in, in his eyes, right? That's happening all the time. There are so many people who alter the word of God now for their own advantage. Not only uh, with their new versions of the Bible, and you know, we talk about that a lot, but also with their defiant and deviant lifestyles. I, I had a, a friend of mine tell me, what do I do? I, there's, a, there's this homosexual couple that uh, I was telling them, it's not right. You know, you shouldn't do that. I love them. They're part of my family. I just tell them, this is not right. And they came back with a whole sheet of scripture verses that says it is right. Literally put it in their hands and said, here's what the Bible says about it. Isn't that amazing? That they can twist scriptures to their own advantage? You know what they've done? They're constructing a golden calf God. That's what they've done. I'll get into that later. If you're born again, you have in your hands and close to your heart the commentary of God. The word of God. It's your lifeline. But it's also the lifesaver. Right? For others. You cannot expect to help save others by living outside the parameters of this book. Right? We have to have it. The amount of faith and assurance you put into the Bible directly reflect, reflect your effectiveness uh, in your life for Jesus' sake. Right? If, we, if we would be faithful to live and stay true to this commentary, we would help others see that they cannot outsmart God. They would learn that. What Herod failed to learn. I love the Word of God. Don't you love the Word of God? I mean, I love it. I just can't wait to get into it every day. I just love it. I, I, am I proficient at it? Nowhere near what I should be, right? I'm, I'm, I'm convinced a lot of you here know a lot more than I know about the Bible. But I want to learn as much as I can learn. And, and I want to tell you something. Our lives should tell others God loves them by what we've learned in this Bible. I should tell them their sins have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, by what I have learned in this Bible. It should tell them God is good all, at all times, a wonderful Savior, by what I've learned in this Bible. It should tell them God is a generous God, right? By what I've learned in this Bible. He just loves to give, even on the just and the unjust. That's our God. It should, it should tell others he is in control of all their circumstances. He is and will be faithful to them, even if they aren't faithful to him, so that they'll trust him. People who are faithful to the word of God will be recognized as the faithful people of God. And what happens when that happens? Others will follow that. I promise you they will. They'll, they'll, if they know that there's a faithful God out there that they can entirely trust because they look at what you've learned and what you've accomplished out of the Word of God, they'll follow that. I promise you they will. Or one day it'll at least come back into their mind when they fall into some affliction. So be grateful for the ordinary, be thankful for the momentary, be joyful for the contrary, and be faithful to the commentary. And lastly, be mindful of your adversary. Now, you're, I'm going to take this a different way than what you're probably thinking right now. 
No, you're saying be mindful of Satan, right? What he can do. I'm not talking about that right now, although I could talk about that. And you should always be mindful of your adversary because of Satan because he is out to destroy you. He's out to make your life ineffective. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it again. Satan is not out to hurt you. He's just out to hurt God. And the only way he can hurt God is to hurt you. If he can hurt you, a child of God, then he's got... He breaks the heart of God. If he can turn a child of God away from his faith, he hurts the heart of God. That's what he's trying to do right now. He could care less if you live or die. He just wants to get back at the God who threw him out of heaven, right? And one day we'll spend eternity in a lake of fire. But I'm talking about this. Bless them that curse you. Love them that hate you. Don't let them get under your skin. Do you realize Herod was wroth here when he felt he was being mocked? And as a result, hundreds, probably thousands of two-year-old two year and younger babies were sacrificed. They were put in a grave, having no chance at life. I don't even know how to wrap my head, my head around that. It's just like abortion. I can't even wrap my head around that. Why would we support that in any way? To kill a life that's in a mother's womb. I just can't. I can't it doesn't wrap. It doesn't compute here. Right? I held a 21-year-old granddaughter in my hands. I looked at her. She was breathing. And she died one hour later. In our hands. I saw the curiously wrought child that God did in the belly of my daughter. To just throw that baby away? Do you see what happens? If we're not careful, we can do more harm to those that oppose us than we can to help them. If we don't think about our adversaries and love them to Jesus... We can lead them right into hell with a bad attitude. Remember who you once were without Jesus Christ and who you are now with Jesus Christ. It's a world difference. You once were on the wrong side. You were once God's enemy. And now you're his friend because you accepted his offer of eternal life and believed and received Jesus Christ as your Savior. The same person that may be condemning you or cursing you, now think about this, right now could end up with a mansion right alongside you in heaven. Don't let negative, thoughtless, critical, condemning people dictate who you are in Christ. Right? You just be grateful, thankful, joyful, loving, forgiving, compassionate for all people. Consider every person you meet as just someone else God put in your life to reach for Jesus Christ. And love on them just like Jesus would love them. You know, Herod is now in hell like every other ruthless tyrant, but all of them could have been in heaven if they had trusted on Christ. And I think about this. There are some pretty ruthless characters in heaven because of trusting on Jesus that we're going to meet when we get to heaven. Uh, this reminded me of a poem, and I'll close with this poem. I was shot, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, 
the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the drunkards, and the trash. Bob, who I always thought was a rotting in hell, was sitting pretty, pretty good on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I said to Jesus, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How did all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Please give me a clue. Then he turned to me and said, hush, my child, and be grateful you're here too. They're just in shock because none of them thought they'd see you. <laughs> Not everyone is going to treat you fairly or pass each test that you give them. But they're still important to God. They're still important to Jesus Christ. It's worth being treated unfairly, right? In order to see them trust on their Savior. It's just worth it. Be grateful for the ordinary. Be thankful for the momentary. Be joyful in the contrary. Be faithful to the commentary. And be mindful of your adversary. You can put, listen to me everybody, you can put the Mary back into Christmas for someone who is suffering right now or sad if you follow these humbug killers. Let's bow our heads. The Bible says you can't get in heaven without a decision to go there. To receive Christ and the gift of the eternal life is a decision you must make. And, and I hope if you're here and you, or you're within my voice and you, and you don't know for sure that, you could, that, the, that you're going to be in heaven, I, I hope that you would uh, not make the mistake Herod did and reject Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to then gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There must be a moment in your life that you believe these truths, act on them by faith, with a conscious decision uh, to repent of your sins and then believe in Jesus and receive the gift. And once you believe and receive him, may I say to you that your Savior will, be, will keep you forever secure in his hands. I love the Savior we serve. And I'm grateful for every moment we have to live in this life. But for all of us here right now, I want to share with you, listen, there's a lot to be grateful for. I don't know how you walked into the sanctuary this morning. Maybe with troubles on your mind or hurts, suffering, pains, whatever it is. Listen, listen, make a commitment to him today. It's a choice not only to receive him as your Savior, it's a choice to be joyful. Be thankful. Be grateful. Trust on him today to fulfill the joy that he promised you when you trusted on him and fulfill the works that he has asked you to do. Just do that this morning. I don't know where your heart is. The altar is always open. Uh, and if you'd like to make a trip here, pray out. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.